Say amen. amen. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. As he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. Thank you, Debbie and Felicia, for the, that powerful reminder. You know, one thing we can say, I can say um, that I believe is that music testifies to the existence of God. Do you agree with that? Amen. Well, today's sermon, um, it's going to be quick because we have, we have communion. Praise Jesus, we have communion. It's only by him that we have that. We have communion, so it's going to be a shorter um, service. First off, thank you so much for having me this summer. I know that Jesus is going to do powerful things as we work together, and I'm so thankful that you're my church family this summer. So, this, um, Today's sermon is called Sleeper Spy. Sleeper Spy, and we're going to get into that. I uh, want to pray really quick, and then we'll get into the message. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for that promise that I've been dwelling on for a while in Isaiah 26, 14, that says, Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. We pray for that everlasting strength to come and to surround us, uh, that, that everlasting love. We're so thankful that that love is more than power to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's, it's summer. In fact, yet just yesterday was the first day of summer, right? I, I love summer, and let me tell you why. Um, I'm a water baby. I was a water baby. I still am a water baby. Are there any more water babies? There are some water babies in here. Good. I, I love it. Don't you love summer? I mean, it's just water. My, my girlfriend can't stand summer, and uh, it's because she lives in San Diego and doesn't go to the beach very often. I'm like, well, it's not summer if you don't have water. I mean, right? You, you need water for it to be summer. Um, you know, as, as a kid, you know, we had a houseboat. I grew up doing things like water skiing and um, inner tubing and swimming, playing tag. Uh, I see the lemuses here. They came up and we, we hung out uh, every once in a while. But my favorite thing to do was water fighting. You get those super soakers and you start looking for cousins. You're like, man, look it, right over there, right over there. And uh, you, you just get everyone soaked. I, I remember one time uh, hooked up a tricycle um, with a trailer and to, it wasn't very safe. My grand, grandparents' driveway is all gravel. Um, and we, we hook up, hooked up a trailer, put two cousins in the back with squirt guns, and I drove on this, uh, this tricycle, knocked them over. They got some stitches, but it, anyway. <laughs> one, one thing that I did, though, and this is something I'm a little ashamed of, is I did something called sleeper spying. Now, some of you might be familiar with that term, but let me explain it. Let me define it for you. A sleeper spy is someone um, in international terms that comes over from a different country um, and has national allegiance to a different country, becomes integrated member of that society, that, um, the opposite society that they're in, and waits to be activated, activated by their other country. So they're, they're kind of like that they're a spy, but they're, they're not activated. They're living among us, right? They, they act just like they're another um, citizen of the country that we're a part of. Well, I did this with water fights. We got in um, to our teams, and I said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I went to my other team after finding out which team mine, mine was, and I went over to the other team. I'm like, wait a minute. They don't want me. I know this is lying. It's not good. Um, 
they don't want me. I'm part of your team now. And they bought it. So I'm playing there, and you know, we're getting ready and have the battle plan ready. And all of a sudden, the water just starts flying, and people start, you know, um, getting soaked. And I take these two big water balloons. And guess who I'm going to go after with these water balloons? I'm going to go after the other team. Now, this is kind of a, a, a sleeper spy understanding. There, there's a sleeper spy in the Bible, or someone that people like to think of as a, super, uh, a sleeper spy, and we're going to look at this and see why I don't think that's the case. H how many of us have heard of Judas? Judas Iscariot. What is Judas known for? He, he's known for betraying Jesus, right? He's, he's known for um, being the betrayer of Jesus. In pop culture, um, I've never listened to a single song of hers all the way through. Um, Lady Gaga recently wrote a, ser uh, wrote a sermon, yeah, wrote a, a song called um, Judas, where she says, I'm in love with Judas. Jesus is my virtue, but Judas is the demon I cling to. Kind of sketchy there. Um, another thing that we hear, an idiom that we often hear expressed in society is Judas Priest, right? We, we kind of hear those, those idioms. Um, another one um, that comes to mind really quickly is the idea that, that Judas is kind of this... Oh, watching some of my friends were telling me about one of these vampire movies. There are vampire movies coming out all over the place. Not good. But um, one of them, the vampire, ended up actually being Judas. It's weird. So that you have all these different pop culture things where Judas is kind of like the sleeper spy. He's just waiting to pounce on Jesus. It's almost like he was predestined to pre betray Jesus. Has anyone else gotten that flavor in their mouth, that taste in their mouth? Has anyone thought that? Kind of like Judas didn't even really have a choice. Um, when we look at the, sorry to turn my back on you guys, when, when we look at um, Scripture, uh, the first instance um, that we kind of see the, the downfall of, of Judas towards the end is in Luke 22, verse 3. And that's the verse that says, um, we're going to have to go really rapid, so we might not have time to look up every verse, but I, I challenge you guys to definitely do that. Uh, on your own time. Luke 22, verse 3 is the verse that says that Satan actually entered Judas. Like, Satan himself actually entered the person of Judas. Satan had possessed Judas. Um, we keep going, and Luke tw Luke tw Matthew 26, uh, verses 24 through 25, um, Jesus, or Judas is openly asking Jesus. He's like, is it I? You know, you know that story. They're going around the table and Jesus is you know, um, passing out the bread and he says, one of you guys is going to betray me. And the disciples say, well, is it I, Lord? Is it I? Is it I? And then Judas is kind of, well, if I don't say something, everyone's going to know it's me. So, is it I? And Jesus says, you've spoken it. And then he says something else. He says, go and do what you must do. And so this language kind of brings people to the point where they think, well, Judas was predestined to end up this way. He was predestined to be the bad guy. And that gives me some fear, and it should give all of us some fear if that's true, because what if we're predestined to be that way, right? 
What if we're the ones that are going to end up like that? Now, something that's interesting, there's another person in the story. Let's go to where we, we read our scripture, a uh, little bit of a shocking scripture reading. Let's go to Luke 22. Book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, 22. And we're going to look at verse 31. In the heading on my Bible, this is the New King James Version of the Bible uh, that I'm reading out of this morning, says this in verse 31. And then the Lord said to Simon, said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. In Luke 22, verse 3, who also which, which other disciple had Satan already had control over? Judas. But we look at this and we see that Satan is not just after Judas. Oh no, he's after the big mouth. He's after Peter, right? The guy who gets himself in trouble. So, so Satan is after two people. Not just one, he's after two. Now, I believe that he was after all of them, but Scripture, especially in Luke, it highlights that Satan is after these two disciples. And I think there's a reason for that. We look down and we keep reading uh, verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, that when you uh, have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Verse 33. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Verse 34, then he said, I will tell you the rooster, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you have denied me three times that you may know me, or that you know me. So Jesus is repeating to Peter, guess what, Peter? You're going to fail. But I'm praying for you so that you might not fail, but Jesus is basically telling him, you're going to fail. Now think about this. All the disciples failed Jesus that night, we could pretty much say. Um, John was at the cross, but um, all the disciples ran away from Jesus. But Peter and Judas both had sins that were of a similar nature. Judas actually um, fell sort of, you know, that sleeper cell mentality. He fell kind of quietly, but Peter made a loud noise before he fell, right? I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay with you even to death. But we read, and as we continue to read in all the different narrative accounts of, of what's happening in the Gospels, we see that Peter falls and he denies Jesus three times. What's the difference? What, what, what's the difference between these three men? Judas betrayed Jesus, but didn't Peter also? Let, let me ask you a question. Are we capable of betraying Jesus today? We are, right? But not in the physical sense. Not like we can trade him in for 30 pieces of silver sort of a thing. But we can still betray Jesus. How can we betray Jesus? By denying him. In other words, Judas and Peter were guilty of the same sin. 
Isn't that fascinating? They're guilty of the same sin. But we remember one as being this evil guy and the other for being, you know, the, 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 one of the top um, apostles in the book of Acts, right? The rock, yeah. Um, we, I mean, we have an understanding that it's, it's Jesus, but yeah, um, Peter is kind of, you know, sort of um, lifted up and Judas is kind of, uh, you know. Um, so we have two disciples, both guilty of the same sin. One is elevated, one is not. Why is that? Let's look at the motivation. Did Peter have good motivation when he was thinking about defending Jesus? He did, you know, I mean, his own sinful way, he did. Did Judas have good motivation in betraying Jesus? Are you sure? Check this out. Just found this. This is in uh, Desire of Ages. Actually, I've known about it for a while, but I, I found it recently again. Desire of Ages, page 719. Look it up. It says that Judas was actually trying to help Jesus by betraying him. And you ask, how is that possible? Judas thought that if he could get Jesus into a tight spot, he would have no choice but to try to, you know, use his power to make himself the king of the Jews. So Judas himself had good intentions about what he was trying to do. Does that make sense? Both of them have good intentions. And the old saying is, but anyway, um, we have these two disciples both trying to serve Jesus, um, both of them also trying to serve themselves and their own ego, by the way. Um, you know, Peter wanted to sound like he was, you know, really tough, and Judas wanted a place in the kingdom, but both of them were trying to serve Jesus. So they both betray him. Have you ever noticed that? People that are doing the wrong thing always have good reasons for it. People always think it out. No one thinks they're the bad guy. No one wants to think that. There's a movie that came out. It was a foreign film. Um, it was called the, the, the Fall, something like that. It, it was about Hitler. It came out 2004. It was about Adolf Hitler. The film critics tore it apart. You know why? Do you want to hear why? They were angry at it. Was it because it was full of, of disgusting, vile you know, depictions of what happened in the Holocaust or in World War II? Was it because of that? Why do you think? Do you want to know why? It's because they betrayed Hitler as too much of a person. He was too much of a human being. They actually, be, uh, they actually portrayed Hitler being nice to people helping his secretary, helping the pe caring about people. Do you get that? The, the reason these critics hated it is because we don't want Hitler to be even close to what we look like, right? We don't want Hitler to look like he's a person. We want him to look like he's a monster. We want Judas to look like he's a monster. But in reality, maybe those two men were more like us than we think. Well, one of my friends put it this way. He said, often in, in Christianity, we, we, we read the gospel message, and it's great, it's powerful, it's wonderful. We fall in love with it. But we forget that the radical claim that Scripture makes is that inside of us is living a little Adolf Hitler and a little Hugh Hefner. 
Did you get that? The, the, the radical claim of Scripture is that in us nothing is good. What did Jesus say to the rich young ruler? Why do you call me good? No one is good but God. The radical claim about Scripture is that none of us have anything to offer God. Peter had nothing more to offer Jesus than Judas did. They were both betrayers of Christ. We, church family, are betrayers of Jesus himself. So what was it? We've been, trying, we've been talking about this. What was the difference between Peter and Judas? What was the difference? Because something separated them. Why are they treated differently? Well, let's look at their responses. What did Judas do? What do we know that Judas did? He hung himself. But what did Peter do? He wept bitterly. He repented. But even more than that, he came, well, Jesus came to him, but he went to Jesus when Jesus was close to him, right? Jesus sought out Peter. I believe that if Judas hadn't hung himself, he would have sought out Judas too. Is there an amen? Is that, is that, bad? Is that bad theology? No? I believe that Jesus would have sought out Judas too. I believe that Jesus sought out Peter because he wanted a restoration process. Today, um, I remember feeling as a, as a kid, you know, after I was baptized, I felt like I was too sinful to do this. Anyone resonate with me? I, I was like, I need to cleanse myself. You know, I just did that, and I pulled my brother's hair, and, you know, I pretended like I didn't like my mom's food, but I really did, and, you know. I, I need to purify myself. But listen to this. This is from Steps to Christ. Some seem, this is Steps to Christ, page 52. Some seem to feel that they must be on probation and must prove to the Lord that they are reformed before they can claim His blessing, His salvation, right? Now listen to this. But they may claim the blessing of God even now. Amen. Listen to this. They must have His grace. They must have His grace. The Spirit of Christ to help their infirmities or they cannot resist evil. Listen to this. It keeps going. It gets better. Jesus loves to have us come to Him just as we are. Now listen to this. Sinful, helpless, dependent. Sinful, helpless, dependent. How many of us belong to that category? At first I was going to say don't raise your hands. But how many of us do? Because all of us do. We all do. If, if not, praise the Lord, I want to meet you. I've never met an angel before. So, all of us have fallen. All of us merit what this says. Listen to this. We may come with all our weaknesses, our folly and sinfulness, and fall at His feet 
and penitence. It is He, it is His glory to encircle us in the arms of His love and to bind up the wounds to cleanse us from all impurity. You may not be feeling good enough. I'm not feeling good enough to partake of this. I'm, I'm, I feel like Judas sometimes, a lot of times. Maybe, maybe many of you feel that way too. If you feel that way, this is for you. This is what recommends you to Jesus. The, the fact that you are sinful. Ravi Zacharias, he's a, a Christian apologist, he once said that if, if grace was something that we deserved, then we would have earned it. But we did not earn it. Jesus died for us. So brothers and sisters, I proclaim to you freedom, liberation, through Christ. And as we close, I want to read to you Romans 5, verses 5 or verses 6 through 8. This is a beautiful promise. Romans 5, verse 6 through 8. For when we were still without strength, how many of us are feeling like we're without strength this morning? Amen. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, in that while we were still betraying him, in that we were still looking like Judas, Christ died for us. Brothers and sisters, um, this is for you. And so, thanks God for you. And we'll start in communion service. How many of you want to run to the feet of Jesus? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Sam, for sharing the word with us. At this time, uh, we're actually going to go to different rooms to partake in the foot washing. That was what Jesus did to prepare his disciples before the Last Supper. He even washed Judas's feet. And uh, we've got three separate rooms. Maybe you're thinking about who that you can partner up with. We've got a room, Bellamin Hall, for the ladies. Uh, we've opened up the kindergarten Sabbath school room for the gentlemen. And right here, just behind the organ, uh, for couples and families. Okay. Now, as you're thinking about who that you can do this with, uh, I would just encourage you to think of those that maybe you just want to strengthen your relationships with today. Um, I think of that verse in Matthew 5 that says, when you come to the altar and you realize that you have ought against somebody or that someone has, has something against you, then you ought to pursue them. And this is a perfect opportunity for that. You know, maybe there isn't an offense to clear up, but you just want to strengthen the bond of unity between your, that sister or that brother. Or maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you haven't seen each other throughout the week and you're just thinking, hey, this is a time to bond together. And so as you partner up, be prayerful. Maybe you don't have a designated partner, partner but you can just go to the room that you, that you uh, fit into. And I'm sure there will be brothers and sisters there to clasp hands with you. All right, friends, uh, go, let's go ahead and dismiss. And then when we come back, please sit every other row so that it makes it easier for our deacons in distributing. Thank you. <laughs>